For those of you who, who might be joining us uh, for the first time this morning, we are studying a book together this fall called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And each week we're taking a chapter of that book and particularly a, a practice of prayer that's examined in that chapter and, and thinking about how could we cultivate that in our own lives? What would it look like to, to grow into that, to desire um, to pray in that way, uh, both as individuals but also as a church? So today we're, we're looking at chapter 5, which focuses on this idea of intercessory prayer. That's a kind of a church word, a fancy word, and if you've, you've been around church or church services for a while, you could be forgiven for thinking that intercessory prayer means something like checklist prayer, kitchen sink prayer. Right? A lot of times when we, when we meet together to do intercessory prayer, it feels like we have these big lists that we are working our way through. Intercessory prayer often feels like, like listing off all the people that we know who are battling sickness. Maybe it's, it's listing off all of the, the problems we see on the news that week and wondering what in the world can be done. Listing off the, the things that, that concern us, that we're preoccupied with, that we're worried about. And to, to an outside observer, it might seem like intercessory prayer is sort of us trying to bring God up to speed on what's happening in our world. And we might wonder, well, why do we do this? What's the purpose behind this practice. And we would probably be honest in thinking that sometimes at least we wonder whether this practice is making any difference, whether it's doing anything. Now don't, don't get me wrong, one of the things I, I love about our church is that we practice this kind of prayer with each other every week. I love that we get to hear one another's voices sharing our concerns, sharing what's on our heart every Sunday morning. But today I want us to maybe revisit why we do the things we do in intercessory prayer, what, what's behind this, and also maybe give ourselves some new images, some new ideas about, about what we're doing when we, we do that with each other, and even on our own, in our own private prayer lives. The first thing, though, I think, is, is to clear up what the word intercession actually means. It doesn't mean checklist. It's derived from a, a Latin phrase, Latin verb, which means to come between two things. Intercession is the act of coming between. So you could picture a mediator that goes between two people. You could picture an ambassador right, coming between two nations. Maybe you could picture a bridge linking to places that are otherwise disconnected somehow. When Jesus, I think, talks about intercessory prayer, he doesn't necessarily use this word. It's, it's a Latin word that was you know, used later to, to describe a practice of prayer that we saw in the church. When Jesus, I think, talks about this idea of intercession, he talks about being a, a connecting of two realities, a coming between the reality and the power of 
heaven and the reality of what we see and experience here on the earth. In the Lord's Prayer, when, when Jesus describes coming between, when he describes intercession, right, he says in, in the second line of the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, pray to God, right, your Father in heaven, who is hallowed, pray that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done on the earth as, it, as it's already being done in heaven. Jesus describes praying and asking God to make this connection, to restore this connection between heaven and earth. And I think that's probably the best definition I can think of for, for intercession or intercessory prayer. Asking God's heavenly power and authority to show up on the earth wherever we see it lacking, wherever we feel like it's missing, wherever there's a disconnect between those two things. And so intercessory prayer comes from, from that desire we have to see heaven's reality invade our own. And, and it comes out of the promise, right? If we read the Bible, we believe that one day the kingdom of heaven will, will overwhelm the earth, right? We pray to Jesus, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, bring your kingdom on the earth. That that's, that's a future that we are heading toward, where, where all things will be healed, where all things will be made new. But right now we're in this in-between time. That, that fullness of God's kingdom hasn't yet come entirely. And so intercessory prayer is, is our response to being in this in-between place of longing, of waiting for heaven to transform our earthly reality. And so prayer is a way that we bring that future into the present moment. I think that, that helps then point us to sort of the first why behind why we practice intercessory prayer. We do this because, one, Jesus has told us and taught us to do it, but also because Jesus is convinced when he teaches about these things that our earthly prayer can release heaven's healing power. That's not just my idea or an idea some other pastor came up with. It's Jesus' own teaching. Right? Jesus says this in so many places. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Jesus says, if you remain in me, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and the Father will do it for you. I could give you a couple dozen more passages in the Gospels where, where, where when Jesus teaches about prayer, he, he teaches these, these same things over and over again. Jesus believes that when we come between heaven and earth in prayer, that it actually changes things. It actually matters. It's not just a nicety. It's not just a formality. And Jesus' own prayer life, his own earthly existence, proves this. It bears this out, right? When Jesus prays, he changes reality. When Jesus prays, he heals people sometimes. When Jesus prays, sometimes he gives people new names and identities. 
When Jesus prays, he releases sinners from condemnation and shame. And Jesus, everything he teaches about prayer indicates that we can do the same thing. We're invited to do the same thing. That God desires and wants to change our earthly reality. But he wants to do that by partnering with us, by us asking him. Now I know that, that we don't always experience or see God's power changing things when we pray. And I, I want to speak to that in a few minutes. I know that's part of our own experiences in prayer. But I want to start by hearing Jesus' conviction that God is listening to our prayers. That God desires this. That God, God says that there is power in this practice. And God, as our Father, invites us to call upon him as children who have needs, who want to see things different. So we pray because Jesus has told us to, because Jesus tells us there is power, that, that prayer changes things. But a second part of, of the why, and I think it's, it's as significant, if, if not maybe even more so, is that intercessory prayer is a way of us expressing and receiving love. This, this comes out of the relationships we have love we have for one another. I think about the people you are most deeply connected to, the people you love and care for the most. And how inevitably, the, the longer and more deeply you care about someone, inevitably that leads you to sharing a time with that person where they'll run into a problem, they'll run into a situation that you can't fix. Right, they'll have a need that, that goes beyond what you yourself can do. Right, because we love people, we end up walking alongside them when those people have health crises. The people we love lose jobs. People we love battle addictions. People we love struggle through difficult marriages. People we love experience depression. Right? You name it. Right? If you love someone, inevitably you will, you will be with them and beside them in something that, that goes beyond your power to change. There's a, a quote in this week's chapter from Richard Foster, who's, who's written quite a bit on, on prayer. And he says, quote, If we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. You love someone you want so much more than you can actually supply that person with. Love causes us to experience this gap between what reality is and what we wish reality was or could be. And when we run into that gap, when we reach that place, Richard Foster says, love will lead us should lead us, can lead us to prayer. Right? Prayer is the, the natural destination where love takes us. This week I was, I was thinking about things this church, this church family, this community 
has prayed long and hard for as an expression of your love. I was thinking about your prayers in this community for, for Richard and Elise and their family the last couple years and longing for their family to be together in one place and how that was difficult. And, and so often it felt like there were things far beyond anyone's control, but we could pray. And how incredible it was to see them in one place and to see them enter the sanctuary together this spring. I can think of, of so many of you corporately, but also individually and, and even privately praying with and praying people through very difficult seasons of life. And as, as I was preparing this week, I, I went back into my notes and I was, was looking at a sermon series I preached six years ago through the Lord's Prayer, in this particular part of the Lord's Prayer. And I saw that the last time I preached on, on this idea of interceding was actually the day after Kelly King's funeral. And I remember feeling the tension that morning, right? Because there was, there was the reality that the healing and the restoration that all of us had prayed for for, for months, a couple of years, and asking heaven to send hadn't, hadn't come. We were grieving that morning. And yet, I was also, I think undeniably, we were undeniably aware that there was this immense love that had been released in and through and around Kelly in that time by her family and her friends and the community. And I really believe that was, that love was heaven pressing back against the darkness. That was heaven's reality invading earth in places that we were otherwise powerless to change. And so yes, prayer is about power to change things. But even more so, it, it's about releasing the transforming power of God's love in and through relationships and our relationship with God himself. So intercessory prayer means, right, bringing those we love to God, acknowledging our own limits, and then asking heaven for help. And I, I want to just say that this is a community that has done that, that does do that with one another. This morning I, I want to look at this story in Luke's gospel because I think it helps us imagine what intercessory prayer is like, what it's about, right? It's not just a list. It's about relationships and people. So we've had different teachers each week in this series to look at and say, who can teach us about this dimension of prayer? We've, we've looked at the life of, of Moses and Elijah and Paul and David. But this week we actually get a group of people, a group of friends. And we're not even given the names of these friends. But I think their story beautifully illustrates this idea of intercession as a coming between things, as asking for God's power to change reality on earth, 
but also as a deep expression of love and relationship. So let me open to Luke chapter 5 with you, verses 17 and following. Luke says, one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Right? Luke's signaling to us that somehow Jesus was aware that this was a moment where, where heaven's power was looking, waiting for an opportunity to be released on the earth. And look at who turns up, verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles and into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Sometimes when I read the Gospels, I wonder about why the healings of Jesus take place the way they do. Right? Why didn't Jesus, if he had this power to heal, why didn't he just sort of diffuse it into the air and waft it into the windows of six people and then they just sort of woke up and felt better? And I don't know. That, that's not apparently how God sends healing and transformation from heaven. Why is the, the healing of Jesus limited to, to one person and one place in the Gospels. Well, I think it, it, it comes back somehow to this idea that healing and transformation, when, when God desires to bring it, are almost always, maybe always, imparted through relationship. There's an embodiment to it. Right? In the Gospels, people have to come into the physical presence of Jesus and ask him for healing. Or Jesus has to come into their physical presence and ask if they want to be healed. Or in some cases, people go looking for Jesus to come and heal the ones they love. Whatever the case, it always comes back to relationships. And in this case, we have a group of guys who have, like we just said a moment ago, a friend who has a need that is far beyond their ability to fix. But that hasn't stopped them from longing for things to be different, from caring about their friend. And so when they hear that Jesus is nearby and they, they begin to hear reports about Jesus releasing healing power into people's lives, right? these men become his intercessors. They, they come between this man and Jesus. And it takes them some work, right? First, they, they have to lift the guy up. We don't know if they carried him a few streets or if they carried him between villages. Right? But they, they take their friend, they carry him, they finally get to the house where Jesus is at, and, and right, they, they see this overwhelming crowd. They can't make their way through. And so somehow they engineer a way to get themselves up onto the roof of, of this home. And they find a way to, to cut through the ceiling and, and do it in just the right spot that they drop Jesus, drop their friend right at the front of Jesus so he doesn't have to make his way through the crowd somehow or, or be dragged. 
right? It's, it's like these guys are the original A-team of intercessory prayer, right? I picture one of them with like a cigar in his mouth, you know, another guy with gold chains carrying his friend to Jesus. If you didn't grow up in the 80s, sorry, you maybe don't know what I'm talking about. But right, their incredible love for their friend and their awareness that Jesus welcomes people like this right, cause them to be intercessors. And now that they've brought their friend to Jesus, it's up to him to do something. Look at verses 20 and following. This man is now at Jesus' feet. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right? And think about if they followed that, that thought process, where that would lead them, but they missed that bit. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked them, why? Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? A couple of things jump out at me when I think about this idea of, of bringing the people, bringing the situations that we care most about into the presence of Jesus. Number one, in verse 20, it says that when, when Jesus saw this, it was in response to their faith, meaning actually the faith of these friends, that Jesus turns to the man and decides to do something for their friend. Right? So often, maybe we, we think that, that Jesus and his desire to heal or, or change our lives is limited to our own faith, or an individual, or an interior faith. But this passage seems to be saying Right? That having people intercede for us matters. Right? That our faith can make a difference in the life of another person. Even more surprising is what Jesus says next, though. Because he, he looks at this lame man that's been brought to his feet. And as he looks him in the eyes, he says, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. Again, if I were one of the friends up on the roof, I've just spent my whole day, maybe my whole week, engineering this plan, just made a mess of someone's house that I'm going to have to explain and, and make amends for. I might be, might be thinking, right, Jesus, don't you see his legs? Or don't you see the problem that needs fixing here, Jesus? Why are we talking about forgiveness? They might have even been upset, certainly confused in that moment. On the other side of the room are these religious leaders who have gathered to listen to Jesus. And now they're, they're wound up in a different way. They're ready to charge Jesus with blasphemy. They also want Jesus to stick to just the physical dimension of healing. Jesus, don't talk about forgiveness. That's not your domain. But Jesus desires, he doesn't desire, he, he, he insists on proceeding in his own way here. And sometimes I wonder if 
even unintentionally, we turn intercessory prayer into our way of telling God what he's supposed to be doing. Here's, here's my list. Here's my expectations. And we make intercession into our nicest and kindest attempt, sort of force God's hand. But what if intercession instead still means bringing the people, bringing the situations that we care most about to Jesus, but asking him to supply what's needed? Right? That still requires our initiative. It still requires our, our asking and coming. But ultimately, it Maybe it's a subtle shift, but it's, it's a shift that trusts that Jesus will see the whole picture in a way that maybe we cannot, maybe that we do not. Right? Intercession still means asking, but there's also a dimension of, of trust involved. Right? Jesus could have healed the man straight away, and that would have spared him some awkward glances from this group of friends. Jesus could have stayed quiet and said nothing about forgiving sins, and that would have spared him controversy with the Pharisees. But Jesus says he's not here to do what's easy or what was expected. Instead, Jesus says he wants to heal all of who we are. And so look at how Jesus proceeds in verse 23. Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. There's that idea of connecting heaven and earth again. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what, had been, what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed, and they gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Jesus actually does, does more in prayer here than is expected. But he does it in a way that we couldn't expect and that we might not even fully understand what was going on with this man, what, what was in the background with this discussion around forgiveness. But Jesus himself, right, these men are, are intercessors in that they come between their friend and Jesus, but Jesus is an intercessor in that he comes between heaven and earth. Right, Jesus comes between this man's soul and this man's body and brings healing to both. Jesus, in who he is, his, his very being, his existence, right, is this idea of, of intercession. Jesus is intercession embodied, incarnate. Heaven's authority come to earth. And so I want us maybe to, to use this story as a picture of what intercession can be for us. And so I've given each of you, I hope as you came in, um, you were given a little card. I think it's on yellow paper this morning. 
and it has a, a pair of hands open on them. And I want you, you know, maybe to put yourself in this story for a moment. And I want you to think of somebody you love or a situation that you are, are deeply concerned about at the present moment, where either love or peace or health or joy or, or mercy and compassion are severely lacking in some way. Right? Where, where earth is not as, as heaven would have it at this current moment. I want to give you a moment to, to think about those things. If you have a pencil or a pen, and, and to write that person or that thing, maybe there's one or two. I'd, I'd discourage you from putting 10 things there, but maybe a couple, and, and write them in between that pair of hands. And as you're maybe considering who that person or that situation is, maybe also considering are, are there ways in which their needs in, in the, the fact that they exceed your power to fix them, is there a way in which maybe you need to release the control or the feeling of responsibility over and for those things? Right? Maybe there's a heaviness you've experienced in carrying these things on your own. And what would it, what would it be like to lay them down at the feet of Jesus as an act of faithfulness, as an act of love, but also of releasing them? I'll give you a few moments as you write, but also maybe just in your own heart to experience what it would be like to release those to God as an act of love. And as maybe you're opening your hands, you could do that physically if you want, or just in your own imagination, heart. As you lay those things at the feet of Jesus, now take a moment to ask. To ask for the power and the authority of heaven to address them, to surround them minister to them. Imagine holding that person or that situation in the presence of Jesus and asking him to help, to heal, or to repair, to restore. Even asking Jesus to see and to survey all that's needed. Maybe even things you can't see yet. Maybe as you're praying, maybe particular images or, or specific requests, things you believe need to change, come to mind. And as, as friends of Jesus, as children of God, you also have the freedom to ask, freedom to tell Jesus about those things. Right? Jesus wants us to trust him in this process, but he also wants us to tell him and talk to him and ask him for the people we love. Lord, we bring these people and 
situations into your presence. We pray you would speak. We pray you would act. We pray you would heal. We pray you would transform them and transform us with your love. Would you intercede in ways we cannot? It's in your name we pray.